0: Welcome to this edition of In the Author's Voice. I'm Jeff Williams. As the aftermath of the terrorist attack on Paris continues to unfold, a Canadian journalist and military historian suggests the West, and specifically the United States, doesn't need to be overly concerned about terrorist attacks by the Islamic State. I talked with Gwen Dyer a few days before the November 13th attack on Paris about his new book, Don't Panic, ISIS, Terror, and Today's Middle East.
1: The Middle East is a spectacular mess, but, you know, uh, it's been that for quite a long time now, and surprisingly, we seem to be getting along just fine, Um, which suggests that there's a lesson we might draw from this, which is that the Middle East is in dreadful shape, and a great many bad things are happening to perfectly good people. Um, And I suppose, if we have the will and the means, humanitarian aid, including humanitarian aid by bombing the bad guys, might be a good idea, but it isn't an obligation because we have to protect ourselves they're not coming to get us um, much less are they coming to get us the terrorists i 'm talking about now than they were fifteen years ago I mean the uh, terrorists of that era. Bear in mind, terrorists are revolutionaries. The terrorism is a technique. Revolution is the goal. And these guys wanted to come to power in Arab countries, and they were making no progress because, frankly, their you know ideology, their version of Islam, didn't sell very well. Not tremendously attractive to sane people. So how do they... Build the power, popular support you need for revolution. And the answer, the terrorist answer, and it's classic terrorist stuff. Nothing to do with the Middle East as such. Is you get your enemy to overreact in do in ways that serve your purposes. These guys want to come to power. They need popular support. They haven't got it. Get the United States to invade a Muslim country, and you'll get popular support like crazy. You'll radicalize a lot of people. They'll turn to the terrorists maybe their revolution gets off the ground. That's where 9-11 comes from. I mean, it's amazing how hard it is to to make this understood to the American public because I guess they don't like the idea that they're a a tool in somebody else's strategy. (laughs) But the 9-11 attacks were intended to cause the United States to invade Muslim countries because that would serve Osama bin Laden's agenda, which is revolutions in the Arab world. Now, the current lot... ISIS, uh, Islamic State, you know, the the head choppers, the people who burn people to death and crucify people and so on. They're a different case. They're not revolutionaries. They're in power. They have a state. It's kind of a ramshackle state, and it takes in half of Syria and half of Iraq, but the kind of desert halves. It's only got five million people. But nevertheless, they are not revolutionaries. When they expand, it's by conquest And their purpose, therefore, is not to get the United States to invade. They don't even want the United States to bomb them if that could be arranged. And therefore, they have no motivation to carry out big terrorist attacks in the West, whose only purpose will be to get us to go and invade them, Um, which is a large part of the reason why there haven't been many attempts at large terrorist attacks in the West and none at all in the United States since October, since September of
0: 2001, is ISIS in these groups, and is it more manifest destiny right now? They're wanting to expand their control in in their corner of the of the Middle East. They
1: want, definitely. I mean, you know, like most ex- radical groups, their ultimate goal is world domination. You know, I mean, there's been 30 or 40 radical groups with that in mind, from the Nazis to, you know, 15 people holed up in the hills in Arkansas at some point. You know. Um, But uh, they don't generally get there, and they do generally have more reasonable or at least feasible short-term goals. And in the case of Islamic State, it is to spread their ideology and their control over the Arab Middle East, for a start, which would be a pretty large order already, um, because basically everybody who doesn't follow their version of Sunni Islam is an enemy, who is worthy of being killed or enslaved? so that's all the Christian minorities in the Middle East, it's all the Druze, it's Jews, of course, and it is much more numerically important, all the Shias and all the Alawites and um, we're talking tens of millions of people here, so you know they they've still got big ambitions that are in their view within reach, and we do we would prefer they not achieve those goals, but they're not going to attack us. And even if they did achieve those goals, though it would be a humanitarian tragedy, it wouldn't tremendously matter
0: mm-hmm. to us. If this is, and, it's, and it seems from my perspective, sitting here in a College Town in the in the Midwest, from the outside looking in, that this still is largely a internal civil uprising yeah. type yeah. event. So, what role does the West even have trying to? be there and interfering with someone else's?
1: Well, you know, a very good question, which I think you can answer without my help. Um, You know, you will observe that other great powers um, who don't have um, a dog in this fight do not intervene you know who could intervene there if they felt like it to stop this humanitarian tragedy well i suppose the chinese could the japanese could the indians could the germans could the russians could the only people who have is the russians and the reason they did last uh, what well september um was that they could see and they were getting reports actually through the iranians that assad's army the syrian army was about to crack they were losing territory fast they were getting desertions soaring You know, these guys are going down if you don't do something, and the Russians have an 8% Muslim minority, and they're pretty close to the action. Only one country away, sort of one country between them and this. So the Russians did not want to see these guys with their extreme ideology getting control of a whole country like Syria, as opposed to a patch of desert. And they intervened to stop that. And I think they probably have stopped it, at least in the short term. Their bombing has been quite effective in sort of freezing the front lines. No more retreats by the Syrian army. They're even moving forward in a few places. Now, you know, that's, that's a sensible intervention, and the Russians aren't expecting Assad will ever reconquer all of Syria. In fact, they've already got some p- talks going on a ceasefire. They just want to freeze it so he keeps the, the heavily populated bits where all the important things are. Um, and, you know, we would be, frankly, wise to go along with that goal, too, because none of us want to see Islamic State or Al- al-Nusra, which is their sort of clone, uh, uh, the other big Islam, uh, the big Islamist group, um, who are, in our press, talked about as moderates, but they're not. They're another bunch of people out of the Al- Islamic State mold. In fact, a lot of them used to fight for Islamic State. So, you don't want to see those people take over Syria. It won't destroy our strategic position or our trade or anything like that. It won't lead to more terrorist attacks in all likelihood if the Islamic State did take over Syria, but, you know, it would be a humanitarian disaster and there'd be millions more refugees. So, I'd rather not see it, and I don't object to a little bit of bombing. With the idea that you just sort of contain Islamic State, nobody's going to put Ground troops in there won't. Russians won't. Nobody will.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you that you mentioned the humanitarian. I mean, there are there's a large uh, contingent of, of Syrians and Syrian expats I- in in the states and, and and in the West. Do we have a humanitarian obligation to help? Uh,
1: well, you know, there are frankly there are groups from virtually everywhere on the planet. In
0: countries like the
1: United States and Britain, we've taken in a lot of refu- refugees and a lot of immigrants from every continent. And you know they're welcome and they're a, a valuable addition to our country, but we can't fight their ancestral battles for them, you know, and we would be fighting ancestral battles in practically every country on the planet if we took that obligation on so no I mean that's uh, I understand that they would love to see us help, although it 's very difficult to find how we could help usefully um, but uh, I don't see that we have an obligation to do so
0: here in the states. This this whole issue of terrorism is still central in a lot of the messaging and and talking. And I if know. if the threat is really still I mean, focused in the Middle East and not yes. really here, then is it is it the media or is it the political powers? What is keeping this so much at the forefront? That's kind of stirring the frenzy, well, at least in the states. it
1: serves a lot of people's purposes. It serves the purposes at the moment of the Republican Party because you can say it's all Obama's fault. It serves the purposes of the armed forces over the long run. How do you manage to have a bigger budget now than you did in the Cold War? I would ask. So you know there are some uh, some people you would think about, and, and and all the people in the think tanks. You know they make their living off this stuff. I'm, you know the, if they were to say, "Hey, terrorist threats over," they're out of a job. uh... So you know there's that, and there's credulity, and there's people. People kind of enjoy, in a weird way, being threatened in a way. But it's not really going to happen. But you can think about it and, you know, sort of spooky and terrifying. The number of people who've actually been killed in the United States in terrorist attacks within the 50 states in the 14 years since 9-11 is how many? I don't know the number, but it's a number that get killed in a bad car crash. You know, and I don't think we've doubled the defense budget because of car crashes, even lots of them.
0: You mentioned that, in this kind of cycle since 9/11 that uh, uh, there really hasn't been any need for those factions to attack the U.S. for what their yeah. purpose is. Do you anticipate a time when that may cycle back and the U.S. may plan in some sort of larger scheme? And oh, we may need I to think about this again.
1: I can imagine that it might happen. I mean, you know, the world keeps producing new problems. As ch- chief source of new problems is the solution to old problems. But, you know, in terms of the present players and the current strategic situation, no, there's no threat. You know, there will be self-radicalizing lone wolves. Uh, they had a couple of them up in Canada last year. You remember? There's, you know, one, never been anywhere else except Canada. One of them wasn't even born Muslim, but they radicalized themselves on websites, and then they went out and killed precisely one person each, and then were killed themselves. Now, you know, that, that kind of terrorism is part of the cost of doing business in the 21st century. You can't avoid it all any more than you can avoid other kinds of crime. You know, you keep it down, but you don't actually end it. So, you know, live with that, but in this, the, the big, spectacular, long-planned, multiple uh, perpetrator attacks like 9-11, I don't think so, no.
0: I, I can't help but to, but to chuckle at least a, a little bit when I read the very last sentence of, of your book, when you simply say, don't panic, that's not going to happen. Well, what do you hope that people take away?
1: Well, precisely that. Don't panic. It's not a big threat. Don't get sucked in. Don't believe everything you're told. Look around you and see how terrified you should be. And the answer is not very. Um, you know, I've, I, I've kicked around the Middle East much, much of my life, and I know some of these guys. And uh, you know, they're you know they're they're interesting to talk to in some cases, but clearly not on the same planet I am in terms of what they know and believe, and some of them quite dangerous and nasty people. But, you know, it's a long way from here to there, an extremely long way. In the case of the United States, it's about five or 6,000 miles. Um, so, you know, watch appalled from a distance, but don't assume you've got to go and fix it all, or, and particularly don't believe the endlessly repeated story that we've got to fight them over there or else we'll be fighting them over here.
0: That's author Gwen Dyer. His latest book is Don't Panic, ISIS, Terror, and Today's Middle East. I talked with him just prior to the November 13th terrorist attack on Paris. With this edition of In the Author's Voice, I'm Jeff Williams.